This is Millie Weaver, and we are going to be joined today by Tori Says. She is an amazing host on Red State Radio. You can find her at torysays.com. And before I introduce you, Tori, and have you tell us about yourself, I just want to give everyone a recap of what we're going to be talking about. We are going to be delving deep into the details of 9-11. There are many conspiracy theories out there. There are many um, people out there trying to argue different perspectives, different points, and we're just going to be kind of hashing through all of it and really analyzing some of the interesting details surrounding 9-11. So, Tori, uh, thank you for coming on to talk to us this evening. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Millie. I mean, we have some great conversations, too, don't we, Um, that kind of point out things that the media doesn't repeat or doesn't want us to remember because, you know, it's all about getting the full facts and the full picture. I mean, for me, as you know, I do investigative journalism. I, I did a lot for many years under Andy Breitbart, you know, without my name out there, um, just because it's always great to have the facts out there. I mean, as a linguist, it's always parsing, you know, that was my my first career was being a linguist. And well, tell us all about yourself, Tori, because, you know, you're saying, oh, you're a journalist. You are so much more. I mean, really, Tori's resume, her background is amazing. She's an amazing woman. So tell us more about yourself, Tori, so that people can kind of put in context why you might have all the knowledge you have about 9-11. Um, okay, so I'm from New York. Uh, I was recruited into the military when I was 16. Um, I was a linguist. Do what you will with that one. And traveled the world. Um, and got back stateside in 2008 and have been contracting ever since. Uh, and when I got back, I wanted to kind of do something completely different. I wanted to use, you know, the way I think is different. So I thought, why not apply it to research? And I um, went back to school for something completely different, which was in the scientists. So I got a degree in um, molecular uh, biology and then I'm a PhD candidate, not yet, because my work hasn't been published. You know how pharmaceutical companies go, give me your patent, and then maybe uh, we'll let you publish kind of thing. So I'm very hard-headed about that because I'm the type of person that's like, if I find something that's going to help people, it should be free. So that's me in a nutshell. So I'm kind of like I've got my fingers in all pies, but I still do uh, a lot of uh, language stuff, one would say. And on the side, as a hobby... I would, um, I'm a political buff. I mean, it's probably because I'm Greek. A Greek diet is cigarettes, coffee, and politics. So you can't live without politics. So uh, I know history like nobody's business. I I make it my business to know it because um, it's interesting. And more so since, um, wow, I don't want to show my age, Millie. But <laughs> to say, like, from the late 90s when I was a teen, um I um, started working with a group, and it's not a think tank. It's just a bunch of nerds. We met on IRC, and we still meet there on the undernet, where we discuss uh, mathematical equations that can predict things. Now, you can't predict the future, especially when it's about people, right? But what you can, you can kind of ballpark figure on a very hefty, you know, kind of, you'll get a percentage. 
And that's why on my radio show, I'm like, all right, I'm pulling out my crystal ball. And, you know, not to toot my own horn, but I'm always right. Except for RBG, you know, um, is she dead? Is she fake? You know, all these conspiracy theories, I don't know, because I haven't <laughs> seen her. So um, that's the only one that I've actually fallen short. But even Andrew Yang, before anyone started talking about him, didn't I say that he was going to come up front? You did. I, I mean, you've said a lot of things that, I, I mean, I've been talking to you and following you, and you've said a lot of things that have came true. And, you know, uh, you kind of hobnob in the, that kind of D.C. political sphere a lot, and you seem to have a lot of interesting information. Now, Tori, let's get into 9-11, because right. we had a lot of news and events today surrounding 9-11, and every year when 9-11 happens, people talk and wonder still to this day what really happened on 9-11. What happened? I mean, there's all of these mysteries, these phenomenons that we have no answers for still today. And American people are left wondering what happened. Things obviously weren't handled the right ways that they should have been handled so that we could get answers. So tell us about some of your knowledge uh, and ideas about what you think happened um, on 9-11, Tori. Okay, so first of all, for the 9-11 thing, right? Let's let's take it back just a little bit. Think about it this way. How much effort did Mueller put into the investigation of the Russia hoax? I mean, Fun. he put, like, years, tons of money, tons of taxpayer dollars. They had that thing going so slowly. It was a witch hunt. It, it, they just drug their feet the entire time. It was the most longest investigation ever and then it's interesting so so Mueller also investigated 9-11 what do you think about how he investigated 9-11 Tori well you know Russia hoax he gave everybody in Trump's orbit an extended orbit everybody and their mother a thorough colonoscopy he left no little particle of sand unturned and he gave us a thorough report in the end after two and a half years that's for a Russia hoax For 9-11, here's what he did. He collected all the evidence of the biggest crime scene ever on the planet, destroyed it, sold some of it to the Chinese, and closed the investigation within three weeks. So how long, how long after, okay, so wait, okay, so he sold rubble from the 9-11 scene to the Chinese, and how long after the terrorist attack happened did he start selling the rubble to the Chinese. Like almost immediately. So you know how they had a lot of New Yorkers, all of us there, because I was there, and people were, you would see trucks, dump trucks, packed constantly taking things out, um, you know, trying to clear the area, supposedly for evidence, you know, and you're supposed to have a catalog with this evidence, right? You're supposed to, I mean, let me ask you, Millie, how many toilets do you think were in the Twin Towers, because a, a, a listener of mine actually said toilets don't melt. I'm just saying, but just say, how many toilets do you think were in the Twin Towers, both of them collectively? Oh, man, I I couldn't even put a number on it. I have no idea. I mean, probably no, like, say like 500, maybe 800, maybe a thousand. Right? Yeah, maybe at least I would say around a thousand between the two right. towers. You'd have to have around a thousand. Well, in the catalog, they don't even catalog that they found one toilet bowl. So there was no cataloging of all the evidence. This is a crime scene. If your house burns down and the fire chief comes in, what does he do? 
He checks your yard, your neighbor's yard, takes everything, catalogs what he finds, tests things for residue, right? Mueller didn't do any of that. It was put on a dump truck, taken to a landfill, and that was it. And then the steel that was left, whatever didn't melt from, you know, jet oil, because apparently it was ideal conditions to defy the laws of science and chemistry and physics, and jet <laughs> jet fuel just melted. <laughs> Steel, uh, you know, they took that to the landfill, then they would separate that from human remains and rubble and sell it to this Chinese company called Bao Steel. No, no, hold on a second, Tori. Did, did they catalog this passport that they allege that they found though? I mean, out of everything, did they, did they catalog that one item? That's the only thing, the magical passport that during the explosion, left the pocket or the bag or whatever the the hijacker had, flew in the air. And remember, CNN did this whole spiel then of the aerodynamics of a passport and how it can fly because of the explosion, right? So it exploded, and then it landed, and then this mysterious guy in the suit picked it up and gave it to a detective and ran away. The detective was like, he was running away from the horrible scene. No big deal. Nobody knows him. He just handed it. And I'm thinking, you know, Millie, we've seen this movie before, haven't we? How many of these fireproof, waterproof, explosion-proof Saudi passports, like the one Jeffrey Epstein had, have you seen around the world? Brussels, passport. Madrid bombing, passport. It's like these passports these jihadis and terrorists have are completely fireproof and explosion-proof. That just... The passport, I mean, there are so many questions that I still have about 9-11. I've seriously watched so many 9-11 documentaries. I've done a lot of research into 9-11, and I just can't figure out what exactly happened because it's just as soon as you feel like, okay, maybe there's something, maybe something, uh, maybe it was just how they said it was. But then it's like you can't ignore Building 7. You cannot ignore Building 7. That's like the number one thing that how does a building just collapse because of a fire? And in such a short time period, too. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. At least with the Twin Towers, they can try to argue, oh, you know, the planes hit those buildings. But Building Number 7, you can't explain it. You can't well, explain I, it. what I can tell you about Building Number 7 is, what a lot of people don't know is that when um, Mayor Giuliani was mayor, right, he had moved the emergency response team office into the World Trade Center. So when this happened, you know, and props to Mayor Giuliani, that man did everything he could with the little information he had, okay? Because we've all seen the movies and CSI and everything when it's a matter of national security. Is the mayor and NYPD leading it? Who's leading it? Is the FBI and obviously National Security Division of the DOJ, CIA, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. So obviously because the plane supposedly hit the first tower, his command center can't be there. So what happened? His fire chief, the police chief, and Mayor Giuliani were in Building 7. And that is where they temporarily made their own center. When, you know, when the FBI obviously descended, they did it at some pier. But they were in Building 7. And from what I remember from that day in an interview, he said, oh, um, we, we because he got out of the building as after it collapsed, they were in the building when it collapsed. 
he said to the reporter, well, we got word while we were in there that they thought that the towers were going to collapse. And so at that point, our building collapsed and we just tried to get out of there, which they did make it out of there. After that, people were asking, you know, Giuliani, you said this, you said that maybe he shouldn't have said it because he wasn't privy for that information. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's how much control the federal government is. And he backtracked it or said, oh, I don't know, because he was stressed out. I mean, you just came out of a collapsing building. And then people were like, why didn't you tell anyone? You sat on this information for 15 minutes. Yeah, the 15 minutes I was trying to get out of a building that collapsed and had an explosion. So, you know. Exactly. Uh, you so know, it's what, interesting because – uh did you, now, did you hear, okay, Trump, sorry, this is a, a little bit of a side note. Trump, he gave a speech today. It was the memorial speech for the 18th anniversary of 9-11 at the White House. And I found it interesting that Trump was also, he claims he was also there. Um, he claims he watched. He, I saw it. Yeah, Trump actually claims that he watched the second plane hit the tower. That's what and- he claims. Exactly. And well, he saw the plane, he said. See, I didn't he see He said plane. that in, okay, in the speech today, um, you guys can go look it up. Uh, it's the, uh, the 9-11 anniversary speech that happened at the White House today. Trump spoke and they were kind of honoring victims, family members, everyone like that and giving out awards and medals for the heroes. And he said, that he saw, he said he was standing in his building and watching the smoke from the first building, and then he saw the plane hit the tower. That's what he said. I thought that I, was interesting. And then he said him and his his fr- um, other employees went to go help out at the scene afterward. He was at 40 Wall, right? I was down same place. And I'll tell you what I saw because people were like, oh, don't go that. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm telling you what I saw. Mm-hmm. What I saw was there's a plane on fire and there's smoke. And then what I saw was an explosion. In the room that I was at, in the same building that the president was at, there were, you know, those big TVs. At that time, there weren't flat screens on the wall, but, you know, it's his building and it was kind of, you know, hot and kitted out, right? Mm-hmm. And you could see live the news it was like uh, i think it was wpix that was on right channel 11 i remember because it had the 11 sign right so i'm watching it from the corner of my eye as i'm looking at the building the one building on fire and you know that's saying live and it's just showing smoke and then suddenly there's an explosion on the on the second building you just see it like explode and i'm like whoa but in the corner of my eye the the TV is still showing just smoke from the first one. And Q, within like a minute maybe, because it was a long pause, right? Let's just say between the explosion and everyone like, you know, oh my gosh, the other one. Then suddenly they show with a delay of at least 30 seconds, I would say, because maybe time felt longer because of what was going on. A plane's in the air and then there's an explosion. I'm like, uh, that's not live. Explosion already happened. Now, from the angle they were showing, I should have been able to see the plane, right? It would have been clear. I didn't see, I didn't see the plane. Maybe I missed it. I didn't see it. All I saw was an explosion and it wasn't like coming in explosion like they're showing. I, like it went like as if it was in the middle of the building and it popped. Like, mm. you know, 
That's how I saw it. And I remember looking at the TV and thinking, it says live, you know, and they're only showing one of the buildings. And then suddenly it's like, you know, still saying live. And then suddenly they're showing this plane. Oh, my gosh, there's another plane. And I was like, where? And I was like, wait, that's not even on fire yet. It's on fire here, but not there. So that's what I saw. Interesting. You know, I know I was I was really young at the time, um, but I think everyone remembers where they were at when 9-11 happened and watching some of the footage on the TV and how scary that was for everyone in the nation. Uh, it was horrible. And it's crazy to me that we could have such tragedy, such loss of life. 3,000 people died. Um, it's insane. And Ilhan Omar and some of these Democrats have just shown complete disrespect and lack of reverence and compassion and uh, respect, in a way, for some of the comments they've made. You know, Ilhan Omar, she said, uh, the things she said, oh, on 9-11, some people did something. How insensitive is that? Like, she's trying <laughs> to downplay what happened. She was smirking when she was talking about it today. If you saw the video, like, she was smirking. I saw her today, and my blood was boiling, you know, because she said she was talking about it and how it was atrocious and this, or how um, um, Rashida was like, you know, this was a horrible, you know, act. this was an act of war, okay? This was one of the most atrocious acts of war against the American people, and not so much because of the life that was lost. We've lost a lot of lives throughout wars throughout our history, right? But it was the terror that was instilled. Terror is one of the biggest motivators. You're terrified, you're motivated. If you're scared of spiders, you are very motivated to leave that room, aren't you? You're so motivated that you might just relinquish a lot of your freedoms and rights. Well, that's how they got privacy, right? That's when we gave it up and said, sure, spy on me. I got nothing to hide. And now they have the FBI face services databases. The citizen logs are, you know, government controlled credit, social credit systems. You know, (laughs) we just gave it up because we were terrified. You know, and that's the TSA how- does a horrible job, by the way, of catching explosive devices or or any bad things on their TSA checks. Uh, I think there was a statistic on that where the amount of items that they miss is insanely high. So I think a lot of it's just for show in a way to make people feel like they're safe because they're getting groped. But I don't think the TSA actually will stop terror. That's just my opinion. Um, there's many ways people can uh, create terrorist attacks, and we've seen that time and time again. And, I mean, we do have a problem with terror in this country. And uh, speaking of that, uh, CNN's uh, commentator, John Avalon, today, I don't know if you heard about this story, but he went on air and tried to claim that you know, right wingers are way worse and they commit way more acts of terror. And he just took the opportunity on the 18th anniversary of 9-11 to bash right wingers and say that they are more terrorists and we should be more worried about them than jihadis or than these this Islamic terror. Uh, what an insensitive time to do that, too. And, and come from the mouth of terrorists, right? Because yeah. the mainstream media are domestic terrorists. They literally lied to the people for two and a half years and still trying to peddle the whole Russia thing, too. 
but on a milder note. They've held people hostage to falsities, you know, uh, purporting notions that make no sense. I mean, they attack the president, and, and which is the representative of you, me, and the whole nation on a global platform daily. And they're the one to talk? I mean, is that for real? Like, did you see the whole Sharpie Gate thing? That was insane. I mean, that's why I felt compelled to write the CNN Geography article. You know, these are people that told us that Portugal is in Africa, that Iraq is in Europe on their maps. And then they're talking about Sharpie Gate. But Mississippi was labeled instead of Alabama or Arkansas. I mean, come on. These people, I, I can't even believe the audacity they have to actually say things like that. And at a time that is so sensitive to many people. Now, speaking of audacity, I think that it takes a, a good amount of audacity to shame people for questioning 9-11. What is this shaming where if you shame if you can, if you question the official narrative that the mainstream media gives you surrounding a terrorist attack, that you should be shamed somehow. And then they, they say, oh, tinfoil hat, conspiracy theorists. Why are we, the American people, not allowed to ask questions? In fact, I think that we should be required to be constantly researching and asking questions and trying to investigate and get to the bottom of what happened with 9-11. Because one of the things that just stands out is is the scientific evidence that s- there were explosions that happened in the towers. Uh, for example, uh, the iron microspheres that were found on the debris, amongst the debris, which indicate that it is very likely that they used thermite as an explosive. And that's kind of one of the theories that we hear, and that was coming from the architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. So what do you know? You've got a science background, Tori. What do you know about some of the explosives and the metals and how uh, the evidence with these towers just shows that there's more to the story than we're hearing? Well, um, let's start by saying that it would have been great if Mueller didn't sell the steel and the evidence. Because then we would have been able to check it out and 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 look at it and examine the residue, so that way we can d- determine exactly what happened. Because if indeed we're buying the story that jet fuel, right, literally melted steel, then that's defying the laws of physics and chemistry, and that would have been a scientific achievement. Because no one's been able to recreate that in the lab, right? Under any circumstance. And if there was residue, it would have told us so we can reverse engineer whatever conditions may have brought that, you know, manifestation of melting steel. Now, thermite would melt steel because of the way it oxidizes, the way it works, and, you know, the, the, the bursts of heat that come out. But we don't know because they didn't keep any evidence except for the floating passport of this, you know, hijacker. You know, they didn't even keep body remains. You understand that, right, Millie? Like, they were hauling off debris with human body parts. Like, they didn't even have the respect to to, to say, these people have died. Their family may want that. Yeah, what, what's up with that? I mean, how disrespectful. Aren't you supposed to do search and recovery efforts? I mean, even after you know, even after there's a natural disaster, hurricanes come through places and... People take the time to have recoveries to to allow the family members to at least 
retrieve the remains so they can be cremated or, you know, do what they want for a burial ceremony. But even with the hurricane where you have just wreckage everywhere and disaster everywhere, they do that. So that's a big question. You're right, Tori. Why didn't they do that? Why did they just shuffle it off and ship it off to China as soon as they could? Uh, if that, I mean, what's with these guys in China anyway, by the way? I mean, they're all China comms. <laughs> I don't know. It was like 2001, right? So we sold them the only American steel that built the Twin Towers. And then we shut down our steel production and started buying their bad steel, right? <laughs> Didn't we do that? That's what happened. We sold them the last bit of really good steel that was evidence of a crime scene, the largest crime scene on the planet, that Mueller did not secure catalog or canvas correctly and then you know and then we decided hey the chinese bought the last bit of good american steel let's just shut our mills down and just buy chinese after that you know that's 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 what happened but you know what people need to ask themselves is to sit back and look at the week before 9-11 okay millie because at the end of august a guy that i work with that um was a special he is like he was the specialist of anything Osama bin Laden. Which, by the way, a lot of people don't know that on all documentation uh, that has been declassified, that may not have been declassified in congressional reports, if they see any information on Osama bin Laden, they'll see that his name was not spelled as you would spell it today, which is O-S-A-M-A and then bin, B-I-N, and then L-A-D-E-N. It was spelled Osama bin Laden, which is U-S-A-M-A, bin L-A-D-I-N. And this is very important for people to know that in um, the government, you shift spellings. You'll notice Peter Schrock went by other names too, right? And um, John Brennan was known as Owen Brennan in the government. That's supposedly his middle name. You know, these changes in the name are very, are done for specific reasons, and that's cataloging. So a lot mm. of people find information. But anyway, this guy... John O'Neill, amazing guy, he started his file and his career uh, within counterintelligence when Osama bin Laden um, was in Somalia. So from what I hear, I haven't seen anything to, to, to refute what I heard, but I've seen things that would support it. Uh, you know, Black Hawk Down, Somalia. Supposedly, we trained Osama bin Laden to help us with the Somali conflict in the late 80s. And when he got to Somalia, he actually flipped and helped kill the American soldiers. You know, the same ones that Ilhan Omar said, oh, the Americans died? Well, what about the Somalians? Remember that comment that she made? Yes. Uh, Yeah. So Osama bin Laden first became public enemy number one in the late 80s and early 90s with what he did in Somalia. And so this guy came to the forefront and he started following Osama. He also was the expert in the attacks at, at our U.S. embassy in Saudi Arabia in 1996. And then in 1998, oh, the bombings oh. of the U.S. embassy in Kenya and Tanzania, he actually went and listened to this. It's so funny how these names circle about. Comey and John O'Neill were in Nairobi investigating the bombings of you know, uh, the embassy there, which Osama bin Laden supposedly did. But Osama bin Laden himself, in an exclusive interview, even though he was public number enemy number one, with ABC at a secret location, 
But it's they didn't always the same it. little cabal that seems to have their hands in all of this stuff, Thank doesn't you. it? It's the same people over and over again. And, you know, that's why even Hillary Clinton was wrapped up with the Middle East and with Benghazi. And I just find it interesting how, well, you know, it's the same pattern over and over again. We are our CIA, our intelligence, our deep state decides, you know, we're going to use these these groups in the Middle East like Al Qaeda or ISIS or, you know, Osama bin Laden and his people. We're going to use them. And, and we're gonna support them, send them money, send them arms, and they're gonna, they're gonna help us out, right? They're gonna help to stabilize the Middle East. And then lo and behold, big surprise, big shock, everyone's shocked when they flip and then start attacking American troops. We're so surprised. Just like with, with Benghazi, you know? I mean, what is this cycle we're seeing here, Tori? Does it seem like maybe this is intended? Like, you these groups are being created funny. by the CIA, by the deep state? Right. You want to hear something super funny? So, you know, I I knew that Comey had gone to Nairobi, right, with John O'Neill, who I knew personally, to investigate. Not from John, but from Get This. Okay, you ready for this one? So you, after the bombings, they arrested a bunch of people in 1998, right? These The bombings happened on August 7, 1998. They arrested a bunch of, you know, jihadis. Question them. Can you believe who was the one that, who were the U.S. attorneys that were questioning and filing these indictments? I want you to just take a wild guess. Who were the U.S. attorneys? Attorneys. Uh, Yeah. Are any of them running for president right now? No, but it's a little bit more difficult. But, okay, Comey's lawyer, Patrick Fitzgerald from Skaden, was the prosecutor against one of the jihadis. And that jihadi, they had no evidence. They showed him a video of Comey in Kenya to identify the terrorist that they were looking for. Because that terrorist was with Comey and John O'Neill. And that's how I found out that in, uh, you know, in at that period of time in 96 and 98, Comey was there. So, Comey's lawyer, the guy that represented him after he got fired, was that prosecutor. He was the same guy that went against Scooter Libby, too. And then the other jihadi was being prosecuted by then U.S. Attorney Michael Garcia, who's now Judge Garcia, who was being interviewed for the FBI role when Comey got fired. Remember? Mm-hmm. That judge. So they're all kind of, like, always popping up in all these weird places, right? The small all creatures. Them, right? Exactly. And Mueller... Here's the here's the kicker where I was going with it that the the last week of August, John O'Neill, the expert in Osama bin Laden, resigned. He was a deputy director of the FBI. He resigned. And he resigned from the FBI because he didn't like Mueller. And guess where he got his new job? Where? I can't imagine. He led security for both of the Twin Towers and died in 9-11. So that's what the the story says, that he died in 9-11. I mean, we didn't see the body. He could be at the dump, right? Who knows? So the guy that resigned because he didn't like, you know, Mueller being FBI director, went and took a job heading security at the Twin Towers because his intelligence, which has never been presented to Congress said that there was something that he was seeing that there might be some attack coming. And so he took that position and he took it very seriously. And the day of 9-11, guess what? 
was like his first, it was his second day on the job because he started the job on the 10th of September. Now, here's the kicker. Mueller swore into office September 4th, the Tuesday before the Tuesday of the event. So Tuesday, September 11th, Tuesday, September 4th. Oh, wow. So he completed then. But guess what? Mueller never took an oath of office. He had no ceremony, no pictures. It was done like super quick. They say he took an oath with like his wife and like maybe five people, but there's no pictures, no evidence, no nothing. How do you get into office without the oath of office? I mean, there's always that ceremony, right? And why the rush? Why were they rushing to make him swear in? And then, right? So he was never sworn into office. No. Yet he was, and four days before he was put in, in office before 9-11. I mean, see, this is why people have these questions about 9-11, okay? Wait, because what is up with all this weird stuff here? It just looks so suspicious and shady. It almost makes me think, well, were they running some kind of, uh, like an intelligence operation? Like, all right, let's put our guy in there. He's the cleanup guy. Mueller's going to make sure that uh, the investigation goes the way we want, ship off all the evidence to China so no one can ever get it, and then no one ever has to know that certain elements, deep state intelligence elements, people working for the U.S. government, no one ever has to know that they took part in 9-11 and they helped cover up what really happened with 9-11. Uh, well- Millie, if you think that him being sworn in, like eloping, right? It was like eloping, right? Mm-hmm. No marriage. It was eloping into the FBA director seat was weird. Here's the weirder part. From the minute he swore in, which he never did, right? Up until that Friday, September 7th, he had hired and fired and shuffled around one division, and that's the counterterrorism division. I had a college friend that was part of that. He hired new people, fired a bunch of people, and shuffled a bunch of other people somewhere else. Just before 9-11, he rebuilt with his own people the counterterrorism division. I mean, this is super weird. I mean, how many coincidences do you need before, you know, you're just like, "Mm." all the arrows are pointing that way. It's kind of like saying, I don't want to say, but... I mean, how many times do the same people have to keep coming up and all these coincidences happen until, you know, where we say, all right, stop, something's up. Exactly. And and that's why so many people, I think, are frustrated because we don't feel like we got the thorough investigations that we deserve, that the American people deserved, that the victims deserved. Uh, We just didn't get it. We even had independent groups like the Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. We had all these independent studies and independent people trying to go out there and figure out what really happened when why wasn't tax money being put into trying to figure out what happened. And like you said, it's just completely looked like a cover-up, looked like there was some mismanagement. You know, I don't know what exactly to believe regarding 9-11. And I think that's how a lot of people feel. Um, I don't know what level of... um I guess, uh, an inside job. I don't know what level of an inside job there was. I don't know. Um, I personally think that, you know, this is my own theory. We're just going to get into conspiracy theory land for a minute. I, right now, 
think from all the documentaries that I've seen that perhaps airplanes did hit the towers. But I don't think that's what made the towers fall. I really don't. Um, and I don't, and nothing explains why Building 7 fell the way it did, like a controlled demolition. Um, that just doesn't add up to me at all. Uh, many people said they think that the buildings were pre-rigged with explosives, with essentially, uh, basically controlled demolition. And I have heard some people talking about how, um, that there was some kind of a communique between uh, firefight, the fire department and other, uh, city officials about building seven. And your, the information you had, Tori, um, with Giuliani was just really interesting to me to, to hear that, you know, from his perspective that he was inside the building. Now, what, do you know anything more about what Giuliani might have experienced inside the building right before it collapsed? Like any so- signs that the building was bowing or creaking? I don't. I don't. This is coming from people that were on the ground at that time and, you know, weren't supposed to be talking about what was happening, but did because they were so much under stress. Right. Mm -hmm. You say things when you're not thinking. And this is probably why Giuliani backtracked his comment when people confronted him with saying you knew about the towers and you sat on that information for 15 minutes. And he's like, but I was trying to escape a building. Yeah. And backtrack that, too, because those are something he shouldn't have said. Like, you know, we need to get something completely straight is that he had the oversight and the duty as mayor to to um, see his constituents had power, had water, right, had food, had shelter. That was the only job he had that he was available to do with the resources, the duty to oversee. To the largest crime scene in the United States to gather the evidence to give us answers to what happened. Like you said, we don't have answers, so we're asking. I mean, we've spent close to 40 million U.S. federal taxpayer dollars for the Russia hoax, and we spent a fraction of that because it only took him three weeks from beginning to end to canvas all that evidence and to find out exactly who was responsible. And then they're like, Oh, we declared war um, with Afghanistan right after. No, we didn't. We sent 60 missiles to Afghanistan on August 20th, 1998. We were already at war. There was just no declaration. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when people say, when I when I talk to people about touchy subjects like 9-11, just to ask questions, because again, like you said, I don't know what happened. You don't know what happened. And that's because no one did what they were supposed to do, their job. Mueller exactly. didn't. And yet the left, for some reason, thinks that he did a great job with the Russia. Oh, why didn't he put the same effort into 9-11? Thousands of lives lost. Terrorizing the, the United States of America, all citizens, terrorized. And he put absolutely zero effort. You have to think about that for a second. You know, and everyone's like, oh, we went to a war with Afghanistan because of Osama. No, we didn't. We were at war there from 1998 because of Osama. They keep calling him Obama. I mean, what's the difference, right? But, um... (laughs) Yeah, it is, you know, I'm just thinking on the parallel there with Mueller investigating 9-11 and then also being in charge of the investigation for Russia collusion. Um, No matter what he does, he creates 
conspiracy theories. <laughs> and it could just be because he might be the worst investigator in the entire country possible that he does such a horrible job investigating that all these people now sprout out conspiracy theories afterward. Or it could be that maybe he's Mr. Fix-It for the deep state. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like uh, whoever whoever helped cover up and do the horrible investigative job on 9-11 also didn't want Trump to be president. Let's just say that. Yeah, and he didn't think that Peter Strzok's text meant anything until, you know, his identity was being uncovered, as you know, right? So the reason he was fired wasn't because of the text. He was fired because, you know, the articles, and I helped to that, you know, where I put them out through big league politics, where we exposed that he's not really FBI and he was CIA, you know? Like, Strzok's been in all the Hillary Clinton investigation. Uranium One, right? The Clinton scandal, Enron, he's been in all of these. It's like he pops up wherever Hillary is. He's like Hillary's personal fixer. I'm just saying, talking about fixers. But, you know, on 9-11, something that people don't do is give credit to Rudy Giuliani. I mean, could you imagine being mayor? Like, I'm just, like, saying, like, everybody loves to hate Giuliani, but, you know, his judgment and his skills were put to the ultimate test with what happened. And, you know, what I'll say is is this, in, even though September 11th was a tragic and terrible, terrible, terrorizing, horrific day for the United States, on September 12th, the American people came together and they united. And I remember that being a time of so much unity in the country. I remember as a kid seeing everyone you know, proudly having the American flag outside their house and just showing how much they loved the country and that they were willing to come together and to essentially figure out a way to combat these acts of evil. Because regardless of who might have um, perpetuated this attack, Americans came together like never before. And you know, it would be great if we had that amount of unity today in our country. Um, and I just want to say on closing out here, because we're going to be closing out our stream, that today will always be a day that we remember and honor the heroes and the victims. We memorialize their tragic loss of life. Um, but we know that on 9-11, So many heroes came out and ran into burning buildings when everyone else was running out. So I wanted to say uh, to the families who lost people, um, thank you so much for having such wonderful family members that were heroes. And, uh, you know, we all are continuing to search for answers on 9-11. And I I think there are people out there who are determined to find answers and that we are going to keep searching as long as it takes to find out what really happened so that everyone can know the truth surrounding 9-11. Well, thank you guys so much for following along with me on this broadcast. And our guest, Tori Says, uh, once again, you guys can find her at ToriSays.com. She also uh, hosts Red State Radio. 
she's an amazing person, as you guys could see. She's very knowledgeable. Uh, she just knows so much on the subject of 9-11. So I'll just ask you guys once again, please go to InfoWarsStore.com to help continue to so- support my work and support InfoWars work so we can continue to research and get amazing guests on like Tori so that we can expose these mysteries and these holes and these phenomenas that happen around around these type mass terrorist type events. Uh, there's always these weird surroundings around many of these events and we got to be documenting them for you guys and exposing what's really going on. So thank you so much for following along. This is Millie Weaver signing off. <laughs>